So this morning, we're moving into part three of Money Talks, and uh, I'm hoping that you're getting something out of it. Uh, preaching is kind of like, um, imagine a remote control that you cannot tell if any channels changed. And you keep pushing the button, but you can't tell. I'm not saying it's not. I don't know, but I don't know. I don't know until, until I hear testimonies. I don't know here, you know, if anybody's getting anything out of this. Anybody getting anything out of this? Yeah, all right, all right. Praise God. All right. Um, so I want to just pass and review the last couple of weeks so that you can kind of see all the little pieces coming together. So in our first round, we gave out some index cards. You remember what the index cards were for? Just nod your noggin. All right. Uh, this was go out on a date night where in case you got in a fist fight, um, you know, uh, everybody would, you, you would, it would be limited, right? You wouldn't throw things at each other or whatever. And so you write down one word. What does money mean to me? That's what she writes down. He writes down what, one word that money means to him, and then you kind of surface these feelings about money. I know the hard part was writing the one word, and uh, but then out of that, once you took your one word, then you went to this one page. Everybody, if you have this nearby, just hold it up. Uh, oh, it's on the back. Uh, we didn't put these out there. My bad. Um, the one-page financial plan. This is just a review from last time. The purpose of this is to have your emotional uh, balance sheet here, and uh, this is our values, our family or our personal values, to where if uh, one party said, security is my word, and uh, so I would like to have X amount of dollars in the bank by such and such a time in my life, and so security is what I value, and the other, uh, the other uh, person in the, uh, you know, in the family said, oh, I like to spend money, I like experience. I like to spend money on experiences. And so then you write your, your goals down uh, there. And so you would put that together. That's your emotional balance sheet. Can I tell you, uh, if, if the two of you would do that before you made any decisions about money, I, I can guarantee you the, the conversation, the arguments around money would go down. Because most couples that I deal with in premarital counseling never have conversations about what money really means to them and until money gets tight. And then when money gets tight, uh, suddenly the feelings come up because money evokes a feeling. Money evokes, we have a value system that is more than 10s, 20s, 30s, you know. I mean, it's, it's more, there's no 30s, right? 10s, 20s, 50s, 100s. Um, we, we have a value system it's, it, that, that comes from the inside of us. That's how we grew up. And Holly and I talked to you a little bit about that. So the emotional balance sheet is there. And then you begin, we started plotting last week, kind of a cash flow summary, um, live, grow, owe, give. And so we're going to talk today a little bit about eliminating, uh, about efficient living and uh, eliminating debt. But before we get into there, I want to tell you a little bit of the journey of how Lighthouse has gotten to where we are in our understanding about money as a congregation. Um, and so the camera is going to have to follow me. Usually I stay up there and do exactly what they tell me. I stay on the platform, but today, nah, 
so it's a little bit dark online. I apologize. I need to be down here because this is where I was at when the Lord gave me as the pastor of this church of vision. It's 2010, and uh, Uncle Billy Wayne or Uncle Billy Simmons was with us. Remember, and we were walking down here and we were praying. Uh, one time, uh, uh, Uncle Billy used to come out on Monday nights and he would pray uh, for this house, and God would give him words and he would write those things. It's just a just a wonderful brother. Still miss him to this day, um, and and. Uh, uh, just a pillar of prayer. Well, we were walking and praying down here, and all of a sudden I had just this, this clearest vision that I think I've ever had. And it was a, it was a believer whose face was kind of covered. I couldn't see who they were, but I could tell, I knew that they were a believer, and I knew that they had the right hand extended up to the Lord and saying, yes, Jesus, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Yes, my life is yours. It was just complete devotion, complete commitment to the Lord. It was, they were given over to God, and just as clearly as I saw that, I saw their left arm in a hold, like a like an arm bar behind their behind their back. And as soon as I saw that, I saw the right hand extended to God. I saw a, a dark figure called Mammon that had their arm behind their back and said, "No, you don't." And so the part of them they were saying, "Yes, I'm going to go after God," and Mammon was saying, "No, you don't." And there was this tug of war in this believer as they were there. And I just saw it just as clearly as could be that the congregation sitting out here and on one level saying, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. But Mammon was saying, no, you can't. No, you won't. I got some say so. I get to tell you when and how because you're not completely free. And from that, I, I began to seek the Lord. That from that vision, began to seek the Lord. Lord, what do you want us to do? And and at that time, that's when uh, Financial Peace University and Dave Ramsey was st really starting to crank up. Had systems for churches, and uh, and we took 150 people from this this congregation that that signed up. We did it on Wednesday nights. We did 13 weeks, and 150 people paid off. I think it was in in excess of 165 thousand dollars worth of debt in 13 weeks, and uh, many people in the house uh, got money and savings for the first time in their marriage, and uh, and Holly and I in in the conclusion of all that for us to to move into debt freedom was to sell a house that we had been living in up on Ferry's Mill Road. We figured it out for the first time that we, you know, okay, if we have all of our debts, we had some debts, we had some um, some student loans, we had some car payments, all that kind of stuff that you do. So you kind of collect as you go and if you're not paying stuff off. And uh, and so we realized that we weren't living as efficient, efficiently as we could. We had some uh, equity in the house. We figured out it would take us seven years to get debt free if we did it one way. But if we sold the house, we could be debt-free completely, and so that precipitated a move for us. Um, so uh, it took about a year to sell a house. Can you imagine a market that it took a year to sell a house? Can you imagine? Oh, those were the days, right? Um, <laughs> not like today. And uh, and so we sold our house. We get out of debt. We rented for six months, and then God blessed us with a with a home that we live in now. That uh, that because of uh, all the foreclosures that had gone on in the house was foreclosed and we were able to get into it for a, just an incredible deal and uh, afford way more house than we would have been able to afford otherwise and 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 really set us up uh, to live, to continue to live uh, other than our mortgage, continue to live debt free, um, you know, and paying down that debt faster than we would or paying down the mortgage faster than we would have any other way. All of that because the Lord 
prompted a vision and then we did something about it. Uh, here's the thing I want to suggest to you that Christians are not very good at, Christians across the board. I'm not just talking to Lighthouse people. We, God speaks and then we do nothing. God gives us wisdom and we don't build on it. You know, the scripture says in Proverbs, wisdom cries aloud. And yet Christians will say, why didn't somebody tell me this? And to that, the proverb says, go to the ant, you sluggard. I didn't say that. Proverbs said it. Pastor Ken called me a sluggard. No, I didn't. Proverbs did. I just echoed the sentiment. So, so you know, here, here's the thing. God wants us to be free in him. God has a freedom that he wants us to walk in, and he wants us to be the, the light of the world. He wants us to be a city set on a hill that says, that's how you do it right there. He wants us to be able to communicate his life and his freedom through our lives. And it's very difficult to do if, if we are living uh, beyond our means. If we're living in a place where we're constantly, you know, worried about, can I even make the minimum payment this month? I mean, Holly and I have had all of those conversations. I'm not coming to you from some ivory tower excuse me, some ivory tower of a guy that, you know, had it all figured out financially. You heard our story uh, on, in the first week. So you need to know where I'm coming from. This is a judgment-free zone when it comes to an understanding about money. We all are works in progress. We're all figuring it out. And so, uh, so if you choose to drive a nice uh, car, Praise God. I'll, I'll celebrate with you. You go buy a brand new car, bring it by, and I'm going to go through that puppy with you. And I will, I will rejoice over every last accessory on that car. I love it. I'm a gadget guy. I will celebrate with you. If you're celebrating, I'm celebrating with you. Uh, this is a judgment-free zone. Now, uh, everybody has to realize that, that you God made you unique to, to who you are. He, he made you for a purpose. He made you to be unique. And so, uh, so how you do what you do is between you and the Lord. And I'm not here to give any judgment on you. What I want, what I'm contending for is your freedom. I'm contending for argument-free marriages in regards to money. That's what I'm contending for. I'm contending for you to have as much money as you need to live the life that Jesus has created you to live. And when it comes time that there's a need and, and you can say, you know what, I got more than what I need. Let me pass something along. Now, how do you get there? First Timothy chapter six, verse six. I, I really didn't like my notes. Can I just, uh, the true confessions. I made the notes and I didn't like them. It's been a crazy busy week. And uh, so I had just uh, some, I just had some things that I put together and I sent them to Tegan. I said, I don't think I'm done. Uh, I'll, I'll circle back around. I had no time to circle back around. So you got what you got. Sorry. I promise the delivery will be better than the notes, okay? But uh, but you will have to you will have to write some things down as you go. First uh, First Timothy chapter six verse six says, "But godliness with contentment is great gain." How do we get ourselves into debt? We get ourselves into debt usually because uh, something uh, that maybe was a need or wasn't a need, but we chose to sign our name. 
and say, I'll pay for it later. There was a desire, whether it was well-founded or not. I'm just, I'm just, you know, broad sweep of the brush. We end up in debt. Sometimes we, when, you know, if you're like me, you married into debt. My, my wife had a, a student loan. Uh, and so I married into debt. So there was one where you want the woman, you get her debt too. I mean, I get it. I get it. She's worth it. And a hundred times over. And, uh, and so we, we get ourselves into debt because we, we met a circumstance at the moment that we didn't have the money for in our back pocket. And, and so we signed our name. And, and at that moment, two, two things happened. There was, a, there was a date in the calendar when you signed your name and another date someday in the future when you would pay that debt off, kind of like a GPS, right? You got to have two locations, except this way it's in the calendar. So there was a location in your past and a location in the future, well, what I'm going to suggest to you is that oftentimes when it comes to this issue of debt, uh, what, we've, what we've done is we've, we've allowed ourselves to get pressured into making a, de a decision uh, around our desires that if we would pull back and we would take a little breather, you know, I love all the, the little hacks, you know, people that had had credit cards and they and they put them in a bowl of water and put it in the freezer and let it uh, let it freeze and would not come back to the credit card. They couldn't they couldn't they put their credit on ice and uh, and they they would have to let it sit on the counter and thaw out for a couple of days before they would go. I mean, whatever you got to do. Right. If, if, if it offends you, cut it off. That includes and it includes credit lines. If it's offending you, cut it off. Okay, so godliness, Paul says, godliness with contentment is great gain. In other words, your money ahead if you'll learn to be content. Why? Because with your desires, the marketing companies of, the, of, the, of America and the rest of the world have found a continual opportunity to make money on you. They have spent billions to get just the right crunch in your mouth, just the right amount of salt and fat and all of the other food groups. They, they've, got your, they've got your taste buds dialed in to whatever it is that they want to sell you, and they keep you coming back and back and back and back and back. I'm going to talk a lot about food today, and I'm going to talk a little bit about cars, two things that I know a little about. You know, here, here's the thing. He who gathers money little by little makes it grow. And what you, you and I need to realize is that there are little things that are connected to our desires. It's our choices more than our abilities that matter when it comes to money. I'm going to say it again. It's your choices more than your abilities. Your choices more than your abilities that matter most. A lot of times people think, well, I just didn't come from a family that it's your choices. You have a free will. You can choose to buy that thing or you can choose not to buy that thing. You can choose to eat out or you can choose to eat at home. But you have to have a system to support whatever choice you want to make. You could have, you could say, I'm going to, I'm going to, eat my way through all of the Middle Peninsula, and I'm going to make it my goal not to eat at home at all from now for the next five years. That's a choice. That's totally your choice. You can do that. Um, here's the reality. You have to have a system that supports that. So what's your system that supports that choice? 
Are you tracking with me? So the reason that we went to uh, our emotional bank, uh, uh, our emotional balance sheet first is because when you say one yes, you can say a million no's. So if I say I want to retire by the time I'm 40, that one yes, oh, it's too late for me, I'm 54. Yeah. Sorry. Let's all mourn just for a moment. Becky on the front row, right? Um, so so uh, there's, a, there's a book. Here's a book. Write this book down. Your Money or Your Life. Came out in 1992. Sparked a little bit of a movement, uh, of, uh, a fire movement called Financially Independent Retire Early. F-I-R-E. Now, I only mention these guys because if you go online and you look up a, a fire blog or something like that, you will find that some of the most extreme ways to live a frugal lifestyle, these folks have come up with some stuff. And, uh, and so what have they done? They've said instead of like we would recommend coming out of here to invest 10 to 15% of your income, they invest 70% when they're very young. How do they invest 70% when they're very young? Well, you got to have a system don't you? And they've got some systems figured out. And this is all random individuals, and I'm not endorsing anyone. But what I am saying is uh, there are ways to learn to live inexpensively, to, to, to live efficiently, that will cause you to be able to say a big yes where, uh, where other people have not been able to go. And you've got to choose and get yourself in an agreement to be able to do that. Um, Remember, it's your choices, not your abilities. Um, in 2002, um, there was a, a, a gentleman uh, by the name of Dawson. I think it was uh, uh, Mar Marlton Dawson Jr. I know I, I, I just butchered the first name, but he, in 2002, he died. He was 81 years old. He never made more than $60,000 a year driving a fork truck at uh, Ford Motor Company. He worked all the overtime shifts that he could. He retired when he was 78, and he gave $1.3 million away in his life. Never had beyond a ninth grade education. Took Ford stock whenever he could. It earned, on average, at that time, about 13%. He lived simply so, to, so that others could simply live. He paid for a lot of college educations for students at Wayne State University. I think he gave over $650,000 to Wayne State. And, uh, and, and other. here was a guy who chose to live efficiently because he had a big, he had one big yes, and he on a daily basis said, no, I'm not going to eat out. No, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to do that. And this is a concept that a lot of people don't get a hold of because we live according to our culture. Let me tell you what made our culture. What made our culture was people that had one big yes and said a lot of little no's, a lot of a lifetime of little no's, because they, they found value. See, uh, the, here's the difference. The, the value of a thing is the price it will bring, right? The value of a thing is the price it will bring. And so you get to choose. You get to say, this is my value. This is what I value. And you get your spouse together, or if it's just you as a young person, and you say, I'm going to do this with my life. I, I met a young man who's 16 years old, started investing in Pepsi, you know, he is, uh, that's right, that's right. Any Pepsi workers somewhere? 
And uh, yeah, Jesse Yeomans from Bethel Temple. He invent, he was uh, he he went on got a uh, degree in business, and he is one of the top Keller Williams, uh, you know, uh, salespeople in in the nation out in Colorado. Uh, started when he was really young because he said one yes, and he managed the rest of his life with a lot of little no's so that he could do the thing that he wants to do. And uh, so let, let's let me just talk with you a minute for about efficient living. Um, my mom tells a story. Uh, you know, probably I, I think it was last Thanksgiving we were together, and she. Uh, she told me a story about this particular dish that her mother used to make once a month. And she said, I always look forward to that dish. She didn't tell me exactly what it was. I guess it was family secret. Went on with Goldie Kai Holtz on to her reward. But uh, she said, I always love that dish. And she said, then I got talking to my sisters and see my mom was the youngest. And, and you know, in some cases by a long shot, there's a big uh, stretch out through the family. And so, you know, what the other kids knew, my mom didn't necessarily know. But what, what that dish was, was what my grandmother would whip up in the kitchen when all the money was gone. And, and it was some kind of a casserole, something, you know, that had her touch on it. And man, she would just, when all the money had run out and everything that she could find left in the cabinet, she would make this one dish. And my mom said, that was my favorite thing that, that Graham ever made, you know? And, uh, and so we, we have two different views on it, right? Um, you could have come from, a, I've got, I've got rice and beans here, a pound of each rice and beans. Anybody here like rice and beans? All right. All, all, the, all the Hispanics said, amen. There you go. Amina. Rice and beans. And when we weren't having rice and beans, we were having what? Beans and rice. We're changing it up, baby. Rice and beans, beans and rice. What is that? You got, you got all, the, all the, the carbs right here. You got all the proteins right here. You can live on this. Some of you know that. It's actually better for you than ramen. True story. Now, I want you to know, I, I went and bought this as an illustration today, and, uh, and uh, the, the black beans right here, they might, you might not be a black bean person, you might be a red, burn, a red bean person, you know, um, I like both, but the black beans right here, um, a whopping $1.49, $1.49 for this pound of black beans. Pastor Ken, why are you holding up a pound of black beans today on a Sunday morning? Can I tell you? Can I tell you that in this package, there are probably at least about 10 servings, 10 servings, 10 right there, right? Now just think about that for a minute. A dollar 49, a dollar 49. Take your dollar 49 and go to Chick-fil-A tomorrow. I love Chick-fil-A. I love John Gordon. I enjoy eating out. Can I tell you? I enjoy eating out. I'm not knocking it. But when, but when you are going to live efficiently, you you got to learn to to capitalize on a dollar forty nine. If you're going to grow a family, you got to learn to capitalize on a dollar forty nine. I'm just here to tell you. Here's this pound of rice, eighty nine cents. 89 cents. It, can I tell you, white rice is white rice. It doesn't matter what fancy label you put on it. It's white rice. You're going to put water in it. You're going to steam it. Put a little butter in there. It's white rice. Don't pay more. It's crazy. You feel like you're living like a king because you, you paid for, you know, you paid $3 for the same pound that cost 89 cents. Every, why? That's marketing. 
That's marketing. Oh, put put that on hold for a second. So I was uh, in my grad work, I was with a bunch of pastors from all across the United States, probably about 45 different pastors in my cohort. And, uh, and I said, where do you live? And, and one guy was telling me Indiana. And he says, yeah, he says, right next to me, he said, is this, uh, is this uh, uh, field where they grow green beans? And, um, and he said, uh, you know, it's interesting because he said the, the manufacturer comes out and tells the farmer when to plant and tells him what day to harvest. It's very systematized. Farmers don't decide it. You're going to plant this day. You're going to harvest this day. And, and whatever the harvest is, harvest is. He said, you know, that uh, the, the, same, the same beans that are in the Kroger can or in the Del Monte can or in the Jolly Green Giant can, it's the, same, it's the exact same one. The exact same one. And he said it all came out of that same field, the same time, same date, the whole bit. What's the difference? Marketing. Marketing. Oh, I just saved you on your, on your bill, didn't I? So, uh, so in this bag, so you get you get ten servings out of this. Um, you get probably around seven and a half servings out of this, right? Out of the out of this one pound of, of white rice. And and so if you think in terms of of uh, how to how to save money, if you were to go to a restaurant, uh, about thirty percent of your bill. 30% of your, of your bill is actual food cost. The other 70%, the other 70% is your experience, the atmosphere that you're in, the cost of preparation for all of that, those kind of things. And those are not bad things. Let me tell you, I'm, I, I, I love to, did I say I love to eat out? I think I said it already. I'll say it again. I love to eat out. I enjoy it. But in order to, to have that uh, enjoyment, I need to have a system that says I don't always eat out. Right. And and so what you need to do, and this is this is part of the, the challenge in the breakdown of the home, uh, because all of this stuff was normally passed on from grandma to uh, to, you know, to uh, mom and then from mom to daughter and all of that kind of stuff. And so we have an entire generation that's grown up not knowing how to save money in the kitchen, not knowing how to shop effectively, not knowing how to be efficient in these regards. And as a result, instead of saving money little by little, we're blind blowing money little by little, and our budget is, is, you know, inflated as far as our food budget is concerned. Remember my little buckets last week? Our food budget gets inflated because we're, we're, we're not being frugal in regards to the things uh, that are in our home. And so you, you've got to understand that, oh, did I tell you that, uh, that, that, 30, uh, that 30 cent uh, soda, uh, or th that uh, $3 soda actually cost them only 30 cents, so it's about a 10 times expansion on soda there. Pepsi-Cola, go ahead, right there. <laughs> Let me get into the notes. Proverbs 6, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit, and scarcity like an armed man. You know, that's a, that's a scary statement, isn't it? Um, it doesn't mean that you should never rest. But it does mean that you need to be diligent with what you have. Remember, it always comes down to choices. Always comes down to choices. Don't look, don't worry about the abilities. It's the choices that'll make, make or break you. And so when you make the right choices about the big things in life, um, then you're able to live more efficiently. Ask questions like, and this is in your notes, how many different ways can I use this item? Um, uh, Becky Richmond uh, gave me a, uh, I want to make sure I get it right here. Um, you can stretch a meal. You can take one rotisserie chicken, and you can serve three meals for a family of four. 
Sliced chicken breast on rolls with salad. I'm getting hungry. Chicken and rice casserole. Make stock with the leftovers. Chicken and vegetable stew with biscuits. Right? Are you hungry yet? Do you know how much a rotisserie chicken costs? Five dollar. So you take five dollars and a dollar forty-nine for for the beans and eighty-nine cents for the rice, and you've got four or five meals. Think about that. That's right. We can do more, right? Um, these are also Becky's tips, and I'll just share them with you. Um, shop your house first. Inventory your grains, meats, and veggies already in the freezer, pantry, and meal plan from there. Um, prep before you store. I thought about this. Wash and chop uh, fruits and veggies for meals when you bring your groceries in the house before they touch the crisper bin where all produce goes to die. Um, keep healthy snacks at the, uh, at the ready and within reach, create snack bins for yourself and your family members. She keeps kind of these little bento boxes that whenever you have leftovers, they go into the bento boxes, uh, in, in, in portion size servings so that you're not just lumping everything into one container and then, you know, it, it never comes out like you want it to come out and you have science projects in a week and a half, right? So, uh, so efficient living. Can I just encourage you, you know, do something different with this information that I'm giving you. Find a way to teach somebody in your life. Sometimes we remember things better when we're teaching it. The best student in the room is always the teacher. It's always the instructor. It's always the person that said, well, I got to study this up and I got to do this. And some of our learning comes by doing. Um, here's an example. When I was a young man, uh, uh, I had biscuits probably every Saturday uh, for all my high school years at home with mom. And mom would pull out her white lily flour and she would uh, she would take some uh, shortening or butter and she would pull that through the flour and she would mix it up. Best biscuits ever. Come on. They were awesome. And I said, before I leave high school, you got to show me how to do that. And she let me try one on my own. And can, can I tell you, the biscuits were flat and they were dense. They were hockey pucks. Put it in a slingshot. You could kill a deer. I mean, you know, they were bad. And, uh, and so I was talking to her. I said, how do you do that? She says, oh, I see what the problem is. She was looking over my shoulder, and as I was forming the dough, what I had a habit of doing was smashing it out too, too thin, you know, because what happens is with dough, you got to handle it very lightly. Otherwise, all the air comes out. That's where all the fluffiness lives, right? All the goodness. You got to leave all the goodness. She says, you got to lightly, you gotta lightly handle the dough. And so I learned to lightly handle the dough, and I've been making biscuits ever since. But there are things that if we're not careful, right, our, they, our, we, our kids get out of the house and they haven't learned some of these things, you know. What would be wrong with sitting down and saying, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you how to make five meals that, uh, that you're just going to get good at before you leave the house. You just get these five meals and with these five meals you can, get, you can feed X number of people on X amount of money so that you know when you get X amount of money that you can, you can always eat. Raise your hand if you think eating is a good thing. Yeah, that's right. I knew. I knew. 
All right. So efficient living starts at home, starts with the choices you make about your food. I'm going to talk to you a little bit. This is a Ken Kramerism. This is, this is how I, I, I do things as it relates to vehicles. So I wanted to talk about uh, uh, something inexpensive and then something more expensive. Um, a lot of times people extend their personalities through their vehicles. Guys are worse than this. It's okay. This is a judgment-free zone. How you spend your money is totally up to you. Let me, let me tell you a few things that I've picked up over the years. First of all, I am Les Kramer's son. Les Kramer never bought anything new. He always bought something that was a half step before the junkyard and said, I can fix it. And he did. And I respect him for that. And uh, so he kind of taught me all of that kind of stuff. He did shop for things in junkyards that I would not suggest, brakes being one, um, you know, other things that you just don't need to buy in the junkyard. He would do, I, I won't do. I, I, I have crossed, I have not crossed some of his lines. And, uh, but at the same time, I, it gave me a confidence to be able to say, you know, I've, I've, I've driven on long trips with worse than this. So I can, I'll buy that thing. But other people would turn up their nose at it and say, oh, it's got a hundred thousand miles on it. My dad has never bought a car with less than 150,000 miles on it. Never, ever, ever. I don't think ever in my lifetime. And so I, I would tell him, dad, I'm considering buying this car. And he said, how many miles it got on? I said, dad, I think it's got about 200,000. This is his script. Every time when he hears something over a hundred thousand, he says, it's just broke in. <laughs> and he will say that every time it's just broke in. Now this, this won't work for a bunch of you, but here's the principle I want you to get a hold of. What you grew up with, what you have confidence in your abilities to do, you can then segue over into living efficiently. What I just said about cars, and I have a little bit more to share, but I, I hasten to make this point. What I said about cars, some of y'all can do with your house. Some of y'all will do with your yard. Some of y'all will do with your decor. Some of you, it's, it's the thing that you're good at. And then you say, you know what, I'm going to turn around and buy something that's less than, and I'm going to make my own improvements to it. And you save money right here. You save money and, and you, and you, you're more efficient in that way of living right now, when it comes to buying stuff, here's the thing you always have to remember, you know, buy low, Sell high, right? It, okay. But you need to understand a couple of things. Sometimes you make money in the purchase, not in the sale. And if you don't buy it right, you're never going to come out on top. So you, you have to, and that's the thing when you're, when you're shopping, cash is always king, right? Don't go in there and say, I'm going to, I'm going to make payments on something because if you're going to go make payments on something, you've already probably lost your deal. Right? So you go in and you and you negotiate based on the, the best possible price that you can get. Why? Because you're 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 setting yourself up for a sale somewhere down the line. And here's how it's worked for us for years with cars. After the Dave Ramsey uh, uh, season of our lives. We said, okay, we just got to save. So the first car that we bought after we paid off all of our cars was probably about $2,500. It was a high mileage Honda Accord, um, and, but it was, it was meticulously maintained by a NASA engineer. Um, it had every uh, oil change filter uh, stuck down, you know, the, the filter top. He wrote the numbers on it, and he dropped it in the console, and I opened that thing up, and I saw this big old stack of I said, yes. 
I even negotiated a deal with the guy, and I said, because uh, I'd done my homework, I said, uh, when's the timing belt done on this thing? He said, well, I haven't done the timing belt. Huh, okay. Timing belt was going to cost about 400 bucks to have it done. I said, how about, how about we take 400 off the price? He said, done. If you don't ask, you don't know. So I asked, and I drove it on. And so it went down, it got handed off through the kids and the family and everything, and then it got sold, it's still on the road today. And uh, so here's, here's the understanding, right? Um, you know, when you, when you buy it right, and you're free from any kind of debt, then when the Lord says, give it away, you can give it away, right? Because it's his stuff. It's his stuff. Right. And, and so, uh, you know, again, you wouldn't do this, but I did this. Right. So my Land Cruiser, I, I, I start shopping around for Land Cruiser, 80 series Land Cruisers are bonkers. They're just, they're just, there's this whole following behind it and they're slow and they're heavy. It weighs as much as a Suburban. It's half the size and, and it gets terrible gas mileage. Whoa, why would you ever want to do that? Cause I found one for 20, $300 that needed a head gasket and it had 300,000 miles on it. Why would you even do that? Because I wanted a Land Cruiser and I couldn't afford a $15,000 one. It wasn't in my budget. So I, I paid for it without even knowing if it would run, took it, got a head gasket done on it for 1400. I'm still driving it. And it's worth way more if I, you know, when I, when I die, I suppose Jeremy gets it. Um, I don't know. And, uh, oh, Donna wants it. Donna wants it. She's, she loves Land Cruisers. She's, she's down with Land Cruisers. And, uh, and so it's, I don't know, it's like 330,000 miles. And he said, Pastor Ken, you know, it doesn't, it's not very efficient. I drive five miles back and forth to the house. I don't have to have major efficient, right? And you know what? Can I just tell you, I could sell the thing for far more today than what I paid for it three years ago. And guess what? I've made money on a car. That doesn't happen very often unless you're in the car business. But I basically drive every day for free right? And, and so a lot of people don't think about that as it relates to, but my insurance, it's a 1997. Insurance is very low, right? Maintenance on a Land Cruiser is almost non-existent because they're built for third world countries to last for 25 years. <laughs> it's over-engineered. And so it's just, you know, and, and so that's, you know, finding the thing, what's your thing? What is the thing that you can do that you can out-wrestle the market and, and live efficiently within it? You, you find that for yourself. You find that you're good at flipping houses, or you find that you're good at fixing up furniture, or you find, you find something for half a price and sell it for three, three times what you paid for it, put a little paint on it. Are you hearing me? All right. You're looking at me like I got three heads. So... Um, Here's, here's, what, uh, here's what the book of Romans has to say about uh, debt. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Um, if, you, if you have debt, do your best to get out of debt. But there's no shame in it. 
You know, uh, Dave Ramsey is who Dave Ramsey is because he is putting a a prophetic tension against uh, against uh, you know the the system that exists that enslaves people, right? Um, and so I understand where he's coming from because human nature gets wrapped up in finances. And so when Dave says no debt, you know, I want my I want my credit score to be zero. You know, I, I get where he's coming from. What is his job? His job is to pull all of America out of debt. So he doesn't back off on that one point. Now, here's, here's what I want you. I want you to have that same kind of urgency. He calls it, what, gazelle urgency or whatever. You know, he, uh, get that urgency to get out of debt. And somebody's got to give it to you, right? You're just not going to. Uh, so, so, so keep that sense of urgency as it regard, in regards to debt and, and move yourself out as quickly as you can. If you're able to pay what, what, uh, what you owe, then pay what you owe as you go. Uh, Luke 14, 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower, will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? Here's where we get into trouble, church. We get into trouble because we find ourselves at our own little Red Sea, and we, and we, we feel Pharaoh behind us. And instead of, instead of us crying out to God and saying, Lord, I'm believing by faith that you're going to open a door, we lose patience. And credit is easy to get a hold of. And we sign our names and we become slaves to whatever we signed our name to. It's how it's done. It's how it happens. But if you will wait, you know, the Bible says there's two things that you don't just need faith. You got to have patience. We've got to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what is promised. And you will find yourself in a need. And if you will get into faith and say, you know, I just believe God's got a solution for this and wait for the solution to arrive. Oh, that's hard to do sometimes. But you know what? You discover things along the way that you didn't know. Maybe, maybe there are ways that you could be living more efficiently than you have been. Maybe there are opportunities that, that the Lord is just waiting for someone else to get just right so that they can turn around and bless you and, and do the thing. You know, it's, it's so often that we just, we feel pressured by our circumstances and by the enemy and we shut down. And can I tell you, one of the best expressions of the grace of God is the body of Christ. And oftentimes, because of our own personal pride, we don't open up to the people sitting right near us about our lives and allow the grace of God to begin to flow. And I'm not just talking about money. You know, I bought my first house. Holly and I bought our first house. I want to say it was all me. It wasn't me. Barbara Mayer, church secretary standing there just having a conversation one day and she says, oh, you know, my husband and I, we use, we use an envelope, envelope system. What's the envelope system? This was, this was 20 years before Dave Ramsey. What's an envelope system? We didn't have a system for our money. We just watched it come and go. Why do you need a system? It comes in, goes out just almost twice as fast sometimes. Ain't no system there. She said, oh, we have an envelope system. We, we, we figure out what we're going to need every month, put a number on it, and then we stick the cash in there. And that's, huh, got a clue. All I needed was one little statement, and I was off and running. The, the, the best understanding, the, the best thing that you can do is, is learn to make right choices. How do you learn to make right choices? Because you said one big yes 
And you're able to manage that big yes by saying a lot of little no's and having a system that supports it. So here's how it would work. If Holly and I said we wanted to take a trip, but it's not in the budget right now, then we have to force it into the budget. How do you force something into the budget? Well, okay, remember the date nights? Now our date nights are a little different. Now we're going to, what, what are we doing? We're combining our strength and we're saying, this is our target. It's a short-term target, not a long-term target. So instead of, instead of eating out on our date nights, now we're just going to go take a walk and, uh, and then we're going to take the money that we would have spent on that date night and we're going to put it aside for the trip. Are you tracking with me? I've got a system now to support the decision that I said yes to. And so you have to think your way through that and then say, how are we going to do, you know, do what we do? Well, let's, instead of spending X amount of dollars every two weeks, we, we do our, our, um, our purchases for groceries every two weeks. Instead of this regular amount, we're going to figure out if we can find ways that we can, we can trim that back by $50. And then we're going to take that $50 and use it somewhere else. And, but the best way to do that is get into agreement. And have fun with it. How many of you have fun just figuring out what you can make with whatever's in the pantry? You've had fun. How many of you have had some pleasant surprises with that? You didn't like the pressure at the time, but you came away from it saying, hey, that wasn't half bad. So some of y'all grew up on beans and rice, and some of y'all hate the, that beans and rice to this day, but some of y'all love it. And you don't feel like you missed out on anything in life. Like I said about my mom earlier, she said, that, 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 that little casserole thing, creative thing that mom used to do, I love that growing up. And you're all worried about with your kids, oh, I don't want them to lose out. I don't want to, let me tell you, better to have a little with love, right? Better to have a little with love than, than, than the richest affair, Godliness with contentment, great gain, great gain. We brought nothing into this world. We'll take nothing out of it. Live as efficiently as you can. Why? Because somebody else needs something that you have. We've got brothers and sisters in the world. You know, uh, Lighthouse every month pays a full-time salary for a pastor in Uganda. Happens to be uh, Eldad's brother-in-law who's kind of his administrator, associate pastor. About $180 a month. That's his full-time salary. Built himself a house. Looks after the church. Takes care of it. Ministers. Lighthouse pays for him. Isn't that crazy? How leveraged we are in America to be able to do for the world what they cannot do. Praise God. Let me pray for you, and then Randy's going to come and share some announcements in the offering. Father, this morning as we come before you right now, and we've just been having a chat, but Lord, you've been speaking. Your Holy Spirit's been talking to us. You've been challenging us because, Lord, some of us have flirted with mammon way too much. Some of us have found ourselves in bondage, and, and while at the same time our right hand is lifted to say yes to Jesus, I will go, Jesus, anywhere you want me to go, I will do whatever you want me to do, our left hand is bound behind our back because mammon is holding us fast. We've made decisions, Lord, with your money that we're not proud of. We repent today. We ask you to change our minds and change our hearts and help us, Lord, to loosen the grip of this world 
on us. Loosen the grip of debt. Loosen the grip of, uh, of things on our minds and on our hearts. Help us, Lord, to learn to be godly and content at the same time. Help us, Lord, to become more generous because we've learned the secret of living simply so that others can simply live. Thank you, Lord, for touching our hearts and speaking to us and allowing us, Lord, to be all that you want us to be in the days to come. Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.